Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzler and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out. friends and welcome to the papaya podcast i'm your hostess trying her mostess sarah nicole and each week i'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that so get ready to get inspired get candid get real because we are all in this digital space together All right, Dr. Nita, thank you so much for coming on today. I think that your book is dropping at a very ideal time when everyone's sort of looking and reflecting upon the year and they're looking on how to improve themselves. And you are sort of coming in with a book on how do we prepare ourselves, which I think is a really cool approach to life and everything with your new book, That Sucked, Now What? Tell me a little bit about how you've come into this type of work of like helping people get through messy parts of life. I'm guessing there's some lived experience. (laughs) There's a lot of lived experience, Sarah. And yes, they, I have been called the queen of reinvention, the queen of grit, the queen of resilience. And I think now I am claiming, you know, the queen of life mastery. I've, I've definitely Mm -hmm. lived through some really big sucky moments, I mean, from losses, extensive loss in my early adolescence, and we can kind of dive into that, into, you know, losing and and grieving the, what I kind of thought was in the past, but a failed marriage, Mm. um, seeing both of my parents go through their cancer journeys and not make it out losing a brother to sudden death. Um, and by the way, this was all before I was 19 years old. What? Yeah. So, and then, yeah, so definitely a lot of chaos, a lot of turmoil, a lot of 
you know, uncertainty because as a teenager and a young person, when you're losing pretty much three members of your family and you yeah. go through this phase where you don't know if somebody's going to survive another day, mm-hmm. that literally was a reality for myself for, you know, quite a few years yeah. as a teenager. Yeah. And so, you know, totally bypassed the teenage years <laughs> from pretty much 10 when my mom got diagnosed all the way into 19, those nine years, I would see a ton of hardship. I would, I would also see glim, glimpses of joy that I could probably take, but it was mm. a very, very thick cloud of, mm. you know, survival yeah. and in a dysregulated nervous system and just constant, constant, like, you know, a, a bear was chasing me. Of course, I did not have the languaging. I did not have the words mm-hmm. because now it's informed so much of the work that I do. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that really stuck with me, having grown up in an immigrant household, my parents, for context, we grew up in Chicago, but for context, they were from you know, my dad was from India. My mom was from the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up mixed culturally, biracially, you know, multiple religions in the house. My dad had a very Hindu practice Mm -hmm. and he was very spiritual. My mom was hardcore Catholic. And so we did all of the things. That's such a mix. Such a mix. And, and I think that, you know, having such a stronghold of whatever you want to call it, dogma, spiritual practice, Mm. community. Uh, And I do talk a lot in the book around how to create community and what I call your soul support posse, your SSP, in whatever ways it looks like. Because for me, at 16, seeing my mom die, then a year later, seeing my brother die um, just out of the blue. And then two years later, my father was... I mean, it, it took us for a huge, tremendous loop. Talk to me a little bit about, um, so you go through so much before the age of 19, which I think even as, even just down to the foundations of let's say womanhood, I I notice this a lot. People always talk about at the end of pregnancy where you're like in that nesting mode. And I'm like, I don't, I've gone through so many moments of change in life, similar to you. I've gone through divorce and whatnot, but maybe not dealt with loss the same way. But there's this part of womanhood, especially that really desires nesting, consistency, somewhere to go, community. We have so many pillars to ourselves. And for you to have gone through that much loss, how did that impact sort of your 20s and then entering into marriage? And did you find that you um, were sort of, you said it felt like sort of like a bear is chasing you, but how did you end up sort of regulating and finding a way to feel that nested in chaos. Mm, oh, such a, it's, it's one of the reasons why I wrote the book that suck now yeah. what, because it would be many iterations before mm. I would even get to that place. Because yes. I think many times, you know, we need to go through a breaking point. And for me entering my twenties, it was literally this chase that I was still running. And this idea that no one in the world is going to feel bad for me and my little brother. I, I had a, a little a brother, a little brother as well, who was five years younger wow. than me. And I was also his caretaker. And so it was just going through, I imagine this like big tunnel. Mm-hmm. And you know that there's like that sliver at the end of the tunnel, and I was chasing that, mm-hmm. and whatever that meant, it was in my mind because I was 
raised by tiger parents. Uh, it was success. It was accolades. It was making them feel proud, you know, making the ghosts of their past feel proud and their legacy live on in whatever it looked like. So for me, I was chasing that dream of, you know, doctor, dentist, lawyer, engineer, because that was ingrained with me from a very young age. Mm -hmm. So, so I needed to have that breaking point. And, you know, this happened kind of in my late twenties, I was, I was 29 and I remember, remember in my mind, just thinking, wow, like, you know, everyone's proud of me. I'm, I'm doing all of this. I have this amazing practice. I fell in love in dental school and I am doing it. Like, this is great. This is, this is that light at the end of the tunnel, but I felt so much like a, a, a fraud and an imposter. And that was my initial breaking point mm-hmm. because all of that, the weight of those emotions and the weight of that chaos that I was Mm -hmm. holding in because as women, you know, we do tend to hold a lot, Mm -hmm. especially as moms. And for me, this was almost so needed to heal the little child in me that didn't get to grow up, that didn't get to express, that didn't get to rage and anger when the doctors were saying, well, they only have, you know, 10 months to live, you know? And so there was a lot of that, that I was just holding on in this perfection of this profession, which was cosmetic dentistry for me, where it came crashing down and it came crashing down Uh, In all of the ways, I realized that I was in a very toxic and abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to exit that. Mm -hmm. And a few years later, it would then inform everything that I did because I fully had to break down. And I mean, like dry heaving, uncontrollably crying, you know, in the middle of the day, at night, in the morning, but think a decade of repressed emotions that couldn't go anywhere anymore. And, you know, I think society has these memes because, you know, in motherhood, it's like, oh yeah, that crazy mom again, that's losing her, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. her herself on her kids or, but because we haven't really given an outlet for ourselves to release where then we're, we're labeled all of these things because we're supposed to be emotionally perfect. And I dive into that concept so much in the book because that was me. My coping mechanism was toxic positivity. Like, I'm like, what do you mean you're sad? Come on, look at what I've been through. And I've been on the other side, but that was me masking. Mm. And honestly, it was such a good coping mechanism because I don't know. I mean, there's all do- sorts of coping mechanisms, right? Oh, yeah. You know, the addictions, the the sex, the drugs, the, the, the alcohol, all of those. So, you know, and, and each one has its place, of course, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think for me, that was such a stronghold. However, it would affect me then. It would catch yeah. up in all of the yeah. ways a decade later. And yeah. then to your point, then using my 30s as this profound time mm. for healing and this yeah. profound time of, of witnessing, allowing people to see me break mm-hmm. down, allowing people that I hired in my dental practice to, to just see that I am not this perfect person that I was trying to be. I had no idea who I even was. I didn't yeah. even know what my favorite color was because yeah. for so long, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, I need to put myself last in order to make everybody else happy. Mm-hmm. That was the programming that I learned at 14 years old when my mom was 
first ushered into the ICU, I'm like, all right, I'm going to make everyone happy. It's going to be great. You know, in this performative way, because I grew up dancing and I thought, okay, this would alleviate that because it's part of the culture. Right. Yeah. But then fast forward in my thirties where I could no longer in my late twenties, where everything just went bust. That was when I started to pick up the pieces. That was when I started to fully dive in and date myself and fully allow myself to grieve and, you know, take the support of all different modalities. I mean, I went fully in from, you know, energy work to somatic healing, to traditional thought, talk therapy, to EMDR, to, you know, dance therapy, to traditional ashrams. I mean, like all of it and more. And and I was just like in that yes phase of like, okay, I, I need this for me Mm. because at that point I didn't know if I wanted to have kids. I didn't know because I did so much mothering in my earlier years and I'm raising your younger sibling and raising yourself in many ways. Oh, absolutely. That I'm like, no, I'm, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that Mm. until Mm. finally, you know, it was, it was, I remember it was like my my 34th year of life, my birthday. And, you know, I said a prayer and every year I would honor my parents and my brother. It was a very kind of like spiritual practice. And I would do this every year. And I said, you know, I think I'm, I'm ready for a relationship. And, and because in those years I was so afraid to say yes to love, but I was, Mm -hmm. I was not afraid to say yes to adventures that took me all around the world of 45 different countries, but there was still one aspect of that thread, which was male, like male relationships Mm -hmm. and a love life that I was like, I just don't know. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started to go down that path. And then I started to say, you know what, if I see the friendships that I have, and if I take a look at the friendships that I have male and female, but mostly the the male ones, I'm like, how does that person treat me? Mm -hmm. And if I want to deepen even a male relationship, just as a friendship, just to see what that looks like, and, and then maybe a romantic relationship, A, what are the differences? B, why am I friend zoning everybody? Yeah. <laughs> because I totally was. I'm like, yeah, oh, we're cool. We could hang out. And- I was going to say, do these guys know you were friends? <laughs> yeah, they probably didn't. I, there was a time, Sarah, where I actually took through this healing process because I was very yeah. much meta in my head. Yeah. And I, I did a whole, like, do anybody listening to this, don't do this. If you're going through a divorce, if you're, so don't do what I did, but I did a whole spreadsheet and I, I would rate them, not oh like, you know, the matchmaker stuff on TV, but I would rate them from like a, a scale of like zero to 10, 10 would be, you know, like in, in these different categories. So confidence, spiritual what books they've read, where have they traveled? Are they cultured? I mean, just, you know, all of these things And I know most women are like, all right, how do they look? What do yeah. they wear? How do they dress? How do they smell? Et cetera, et cetera. For me, it was like very much, are they, how are they in tuned? Mm-hmm. But, and, and, and I would rate everybody like there were 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, but I was just not connecting emotionally because yeah. that part of my heart was still whoosh. very close. So until I was able to say, okay, in this next relationship, whoever this person is, I need to be vulnerable because I would get vulnerable. Like everyone would get let in, but not fully because I'm an extrovert. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a, there was a tear. They wouldn't get to my like heart, but they would think that they were, and I would just have it stop. So I needed to reframe those questions and say, 
okay, if I want somebody vulnerable, I need to be vulnerable. If I want somebody brave and, and honest, I need to be brave and honest. And many times I needed to go first in that. And so, and that was such a big game changer. And literally after I did that and, and was sitting in that soup, three months later, I would meet and get reconnected to my now soulmate partner, my, my, my baby daddy co-pilot of two amazing kids. And so, and so not shortly long after that, we had this incredible, um, you know, beautiful nine ceremony, uh, union all in different parts of the world because oh, we were wow. in different parts of the world and we were just committing ourselves to, cause he had been married before mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. as I was, and I think yeah. there is that just recognition of we don't want <laughs> what we've already been through to come into yeah. this container. Yep. And so we were so intentional about that. And of course, now entering motherhood, mm -hmm. that was that. And I, I write this in the book in, in part three, because the book is divided into three parts. But the third part of the book is how I teach you to fly forward past the sucky moments, past yes. the times that really took you down. So if anybody is in that season right now, there's a whole five-step process of flying forward. And so because I had so much tumultuous craziness in my life, mm -hmm. when I entered motherhood, it was so different because it wasn't the big T traumas anymore. It was the tiny T traumas of daily life. Like yeah. Yeah. waking up 10 times in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. second guessing yourself at, in your character as a mom, mm -hmm. you know, losing your shit on your partner because they just forgot to, you know, put the bottles in the sterilizer, whatever the case is, right? We've all been there as moms. We've all done it. Yeah. But again, to see the contrast, what I'd lived through of these huge, big things, and then to say, oh, wow, these are small I mean, yeah, building them up could definitely take you apart, right? But that was this that was that became the practice of saying, okay, well, no one's gonna die and we're all gonna be okay. Yeah, but I can actually nest and and rest in myself, knowing mm. that those years have really prepared me for this season of life where mm all right, there is chaos and, and there is messiness and we're just going to, this is my meditation. Yes. Like, can I, can I regulate myself internally without losing myself on everything? Because I had to do that so much naturally as a kid, not even knowing who was going to live or die the next day. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was literally a reality. Uh, and so it was just so different this time around. And that honestly gave me peace, Sarah. And, and it's, it's why I like, literally I wrote this book, this book literally came out of me as I was birthing my daughter, oh, wow. we sold it to the publisher. I was still in the hospital. We gave birth. Um, and my agent was like, yeah, here, this, these are the opportunities. And I'm like, I just gave birth to my second baby. And, and I'm like, all right. So my little daughter, Isla Ray, you know, the, you know, the moonlight halo, the bringer of knowledge and light. That's what Ray means. And she was ushering and helping me with this book because, yeah. you know, she's like 19 months now and oh, wow. the book is out. So she has been this, this, yeah, this gift, uh, to reconcile the magical mm -hmm. moments in the mass to reconcile the joys 
in the chaos. And it hasn't been easy at all. It was a different level of that. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say, I really appreciate your approach to regulating and nesting and finding that internal balance, because I think a lot of times when I see messages of peace and balance or nesting online, they're so topical, like they're so, um, you know, creating less chaotic spaces and creating a better system and having better sleep and, ha- and which are all valid, valid things. However, what happens when you fall into these moments of life that naturally are chaotic when you're going through change, when you have kids that just guess what, they dump out everything all over your floor all the time. You have to figure out a way to sort of have that internal nesting core system that's running well in order to be able to, like you said, those little T moments and just the chaos that is motherhood, that is life, that is all of those things. I also had to laugh when you were saying about like creating that chart list and and then recognizing how much you had to be that person, because I just was watching, it was Matthew Hussey. I think it was on Jay Shetty's podcast and was saying, what, what is your best piece of dating advice ever? And he said, and hopefully I don't mince this, make a list of all the best attributes you want to see in your partner and then be that list. And that's oh. like such a huge, huge, I was just like, whoa, it was just like this little snippet I saw on Instagram. And I was like, man, that's incredible. Cause I think at every point in our life, we've always like, most of us have made some sort of a list. If you've gone through life change, I've gone through divorce. My husband's gone through divorce. You, you sort of, even if you haven't written it down, you've created a list. You now have a very, I I always, people always um, laugh at me because I married the opposite of my ex-husband. And I'm like, I didn't do that intentionally, but I definitely did it internally. There was something where I'm like, okay, that didn't work. So now we need to create a different, a different list, a different system, a different type of partner. And now it is working. And I didn't mean for that all to happen, but I have to recognize that that's how it did. The other thing I wanted to sort of touch on is the fact that I so connect and appreciate that your breakdown moment was at on paper high in life. Because I think that there is, I was was driving the other day and I'm like, I wonder if sadness and disappointment are somehow interconnected in the same emotion. Because when we feel a lack of joy or a lack of happiness, it's so often connected to disappointment. And for me, I was at, um, I mean, I, I was married for over 10 years. I had three kids. I was finally, all those things that I thought, once I have this, I'll be happy. Once we have, once I have, you know, a house, we'll be good. Once I have, you know, a marriage that is like stable and I've got these kids and all this stuff. And then it was like losing weight. So I lost all this weight. And I was like, why isn't it here? Why didn't it come for me? Why am I stuck in this mess? And then it all of a sudden was like the breakdown happened. And I hope that some people, I don't hope that some people relate to this, but I hope they understand that you might be revealed so much about yourself in the high points of everything you've ever chased, because here I was at this high point of life, similar to you. And all of a sudden it was like all shown to me, your marriage isn't working. Weight loss didn't make you happy. You have so much that you chased that wasn't it. And now you got to go all the way. You got to go all the way back and it's all in because it's so much of life in saying yes to what looks good on paper what other people may have celebrated for you and then figuring out where you fit in that and trying to not do it for everybody else. There are huge moments in life that like divorce sucked. I'll say like, that was my big, that sucked moment. And it's funny because 
you said at the very beginning, um, like the grief of going through divorce and like how, like it hasn't really like left or like, doesn't just like go away. And I'm like, it's so funny because people think you're just finalized by divorce. I got remarried and everything. And I'm like, I'm still dealing with it. And I feel like you don't have a space to go with that because there's just, it's such a life event. It's a, my husband and I both can relate to it. So we talk about it a lot in the fact that it is, it was a bigger life event than getting married. Getting divorced is a bigger life event than getting married. And I, and I, and everyone's so quick to sort of be done with it. Like you're okay. You got divorced. Like, like you sign the papers and then you're like, all right, who's next? What's next? Yeah. What's next. Right. But then there's that, there is the grieving point, right? There's the grieving point when you go from, you know, zero kids to one child as a mother Mm -hmm. and you're grieving, you know, the, the personal time that you had, there's a grieving point in all of these, these, these facets. And I, I even wanted to say when you were, when you were sharing kind of the, the, the moments in our breakdown and I think that the breakdown when we actually have it, and if somebody is in that breakdown now, I mean, I remember when I'm like, why, why am I here? This yeah. sucks. I don't want to feel yeah. this. I don't want to like, uh, this is so painful. Like, And it's fraudulent it, feeling. You're like, crap. Like, right, right. People. And I'm like, you know, and, and you're just can't, like, can I just shop my misery away. (laughs) Can I I just like date, you know, five other people? And, Mm -hmm. and, and so it's like, we, we have these things because we want to numb the pain. Mm -hmm. It's, it's too uncomfortable, but you know, here you and I are on the other side and we're like, actually that is the biggest sign that a a huge breakthrough is on the way. That's the biggest sign that breakdown means a breakthrough really. Really. And, and, and while that is like so cliche and everything, but it is, it is the actual truest sense of the words because, and, and really allowing you to feel it's, it's kind of like with our kids, right? Mm -hmm. When they break down, when they finally start, you know, crying after like, and having a big meltdown, you know, that they just needed to release all of those emotions because they were holding it up so hard. And then you're like, oh, 20 minutes later, it's gone. It's, it's processed. They're going again, you know, if we allow them. Uh, And, and for us, when do we suppress ourselves? Because we're judging the way that we're acting. We're judging the way that we're thinking in our mind. I'm not supposed to be breaking through, breaking Mm -hmm. down right now. I'm Mm -hmm. not supposed to be having a moment, but if we could just be good, right. If we could just reframe that and say, oh, wow all right, the universe is telling me or, or God, whatever, yeah. someone is telling me that I need to pay attention to this mm-hmm. and like to think that, to think that instead of judge that mm-hmm. and to welcome it instead of suppress it, because that is our indication of like, Hey, we got to slow down. Hey, all of the things that I worked so hard for in trying to gain my happiness in all of these ways, I'm going to be happy this time and, and when and where and how, but it never happens because we're mm-hmm. so quick to chase it, mm-hmm. to pay attention to that, you know, and I, and I, and I just think that it was just so beautiful in the way you shared that. Well, I think it's a lot, like I think about the three little pigs and like how they build these houses and they get knocked down or blown down. And, and finally they, you know, there's the one, I think of it as one pig and one wolf and you're, I'm the pig and I'm slow. (laughs) I built a house, it gets blown down, built a house, gets blown down. And each time it's structurally a little bit better, right? So you can't possibly go through something that's a total breakdown and expect that the exact same thing's going to happen again, because how could it? You've learned so much. And 
I will say for someone, I'm just going to, I'm going to take my weight as a category because it's, it's an easy one to reference. But when I was thin, people were so congratulatory to me and so happy for me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what a great job. You look amazing. You must be so happy. And then facing the reality that I wasn't was really, really difficult. However, now when people sort of challenge me on like, you can't possibly be happy with what you look like. I'm like, it's not about that anymore. I have an internal thing going on and I'm like, have this. So when I get challenged on it, I'm not saying it's, it's easy, but it's not as hard as it was when people assumed all my health and joy in a time that I was like truly struggling. So when you come face to face with the parts that didn't work out, when it does start to work out a little better, even when it looks different than the picture that you maybe thought you were painting, there's some sort of internal piece. You're like, yeah, but I already, I already went there. I already went down that path. I already built that house. I know it didn't work out for me. So I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. In this now new foundation in this new place, because I trust it. I, it's a very different experience. And um, for anybody who's been through divorce will know divorce and remarriage and, and remarriage is actually working out. Let's just say that I will mm-hmm. say it's, it's fascinating how often we talk about marriage as if it's one singular experience. Yeah. Like as if having a job is like the exact same for everybody. I always had to remind people about it. I'm like, when we talk about marriage and marriage is hard or marriage is this or marriage is that I'm like, who's marriage? Because it's, it's two individual people and entirely different mm-hmm. circumstances every single time. So I yeah. really, I really love that you have sort of, um, re redefined this newer relationship and, and really looked at it in an entirely new lens as it should be. And as it is, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, as you talked about in your book, as you do talk about in your book, um, that sucked. Now what you talk about the framework and sort of go, preparing ourselves for things that suck or maybe dealing with the things that suck through a framework that's going to leave us nearly unscathed not to say that we're not understanding of the impacts of grief or loss or change or anything but what is like maybe give us an example of like what does that look like like how can we actually prepare ourselves for something sucky or is it more giving ourselves the tools that when something sucky happens we really are a little bit more equipped to handle it. Yeah. So one of the big frameworks that I actually love, and it's in part two of the book, and mm. it's how to actually build resiliency. Mm. And, you know, when I first started out on my speaking journey and I had actually sold my dental practice and I got asked to speak a lot. And, and of course people would get wind of my story and they're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you know, so I didn't necessarily realize it would shift and change into uh, then being an advisor for companies, go, you know, going in to and, and invest in female led companies. I had no idea that me and sharing my story would do that because then I got so very curious about how leaders and everyday people just make decisions after yeah. sucky moments or after yes. they oh. had a fall. And so, and so there's, you know, four pillars of what I like to call unshakable resiliency um, and how to build it. And the first is we really have to make peace with our upbringing. And many times, 
you know, we can't obviously change that, but many times we're so quick to say, okay, I'm going to just keep going. And that thing happened in the past, but that doesn't mean that it's going to happen again. And it's almost like, you know, you're post-divorce or maybe even imagine when you were dating Mm -hmm. and you would probably attract that same kind of person over and over and over again. And I know that even for me, you know, that my codependency because of my wounding growing up of the fear of abandonment Mm. had me select partners, maybe subconsciously, I didn't even know, but to validate my worth because, you know, in my mind, I didn't know who I was. I didn't think I was worthy of love because, Hey, I lost three members of my family before I was Mm -hmm. 19. So these are the stories that are imprinted in our mind for whatever reason. And many times we're so quick to shove it under a rug, shove it under in a closet. We don't want to see that, but our signs are, Hey, okay. There's another partner there, you know, and we're, we're so quick to say, Oh gosh, you know, I only attract jerks or, or gosh, another jerk again. Like how, yeah, but yeah, we got to point the mirror back here. Like, what are we seeing in ourselves that those types of people are very attractive to Mm. us and we're attracted to their energy in that way. And most of the time we blame it outwardly, right? Yeah. But so much of it is stemmed from, okay, fine. Maybe mommy issues, daddy issues, unresolved, you know, bullying issues growing up. And, and I have a whole process of how to reconcile some of the things that maybe we didn't even know growing up, like who was, were you closer to one caregiver or another? Did you grow up in a household where you saw how your grandparents were treated with your parents? Or maybe you just grew up in a single parent household. Maybe you just grew up with one caretaker and that informed who you could trust. That informed, did you have to just trust yourself? Did you have helicopter parents? Did you have tiger parents? Uh, Or were you just, you know, like a latchkey kid? You were just on your own and you had to build street cred that would increase your bounce factor because you had to do things on your own, right? Yeah. Some people, they get into college and I've, I've, I've spoken at these places where, you know, we know this, the moms will call in like, Hey, uh, you know, junior hasn't been able to do his, his work. Can you just have him take a test next week? Cause we're going on a family trip, you know? is that kid going to build that resiliency when he gets to college and mom and dad can't call in favors anymore. Right. So this is our upbringing. Right. And so, and, and to see who did we get along with? Did we have bullies? Did we have a big T trauma like loss or divorce or sexual trauma or any of those things that would in really play a role in how we're actually relating to the outside world and how we pick partners and how we, even pick bosses or, 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 or even relate to our own kids. So that's the first part, right? Okay. So the second part of this is when we are actually knowing we are still kind of being safe in that bubble. So I love what you shared, Sarah, of you needed to look within you Mm because you were having all of the highs, you lost all of this weight. You had found a partner again And I love what you said, like, it wasn't at my low, it was at my high where I still wasn't like happy. And, you know, this is taking an assessment. So part two is just taking an assessment of your current environment. What does it actually look like? Who are you spending your time with? Are you spending your time with people that also gossip that also are like, oh my God, my life is so miserable. I can't do anything. My kids suck. You know, all of the things suck. 
or including social media. Everyone needs to pay attention to that. That's where I really, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's a, that's, a, that's so subconscious. Cause they do that yeah. to us. And it's, and yeah. I've even, you know, felt that I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, how does that mom have the time you know what? to do all of these things? And I'm like, yeah. ah, and then but you feel so terrible too. about yourself. It's like whenever everyone makes those jokes, whenever Taylor Swift comes out with a new album and they're like all singing breakup music as if they're going through it, even though they're like in really happy relationships, even when you're witnessing something online, you wear a part of what these other people are going through, right? There's a reason that when somebody brings up what's going on in their world that we, we wear a part of that ourselves, right? So as, when you talk about assessing your current environment, please include social, social media folks, like just for yeah, like, how, like how, I noticed that for me hugely. Right. And like, what, who are you consuming? What are you consuming? How yeah. often are you consuming them? Like there was yeah. a point where, you know, like in, uh, there was a postpartum, you know, depression that I went through mm-hmm. with both kids. Mm. And I had to, and and I talk about that in the book a lot. So, but, but I had to literally unfollow certain accounts because I'm like, nope, I don't even want to imprint this in my mind to then reinforce the fact of like mom guilt or perfectionism or that they they're doing, you know, like it was just like, nope, like stop. But, but that takes our own personal responsibility to say, Mm -hmm. I am going to do this. I'm going to take this step that's uncomfortable and block other people, even though secretly you're kind of curious about what they're doing, but, but, but for your own mental sanity, because it is human nature. That's why these big guys have created these platforms for us to get addicted and stay. But then at at what, at what point at our expense of our mental health and the way we, we then react. So our current environment could look like even exposing ourselves to good stress and good stress could mean, you know, it could be in a physical sense. It could be getting literally dirty with your kids, letting them play in the dirt, letting messes happen. You know, I love that, that we were talking about that right before we got on, but just the idea that can you live a little in the chaos and not judge it? Right. Mm. And not worry if other parents or families are coming over that you're just going to connect mm-hmm. and it doesn't, you don't need to pull out, put, put on a full spread. Right. That yes. is allowing more positive and good stress in our lives yeah. and to lean into that uncomfortable yeah. um, phase of whatever that is. Right. And then in stages or pillars three and four is your emotional capacity to feel, to allow and to not judge mm-hmm. if you are getting angry, to not judge yourself if you are like, I always, I have to be this certain sense. Like, wouldn't you want your kids to know that you're human, that, hey, mommy's having a bad day and yes. really big feelings right now. Like, this is what I've been telling my kids. And I'm like, it's okay to to express it's not okay to hit somebody when you are angry, but it's yes. okay to say, I am feeling angry. You know, it is okay to, if you have to scream into a pillow right now, right? Mm-hmm. You want to scream out loud. If you're feeling angry, well, take a pillow. So we're not going to disrupt anyone, but have your moment, right? I think it's, mm-hmm. we're so afraid of expressing certain emotions and we're so quick to dismiss it, but it's not what we like how we, what we do with those emotions is what yes. we should be worried about. Not the, that, not the act of expressing it. Right. And then the last part is really what you've been alluding to this whole time is your radical self-awareness, mm-hmm. your awareness to take stock of, wow, that's not working for me. Like I did all of this and I'm still not happy. 
like why? Yeah. Um, to see what is not in alignment with you and to yeah. then take action on that. Yeah. Oh, I so appreciate what you said for pillar three though, because I remember years ago, there was um, an inspirational uh, speaker, coach, influencer, and she made a she made a quote about never letting your children see you um, break down or have moments like that's not their responsibility to witness that. Or I, I don't even remember what it said. I remember being so sad because I thought I held everything together for my kids for so long, and there was like certain points where I was like literally sitting on the floor and crying and saying, mommy's just really sad. And I'm, I have nothing. I can't shield you from this anymore. I'm sad and it's okay to be sad. And as like, we talk about relationships and like letting people in at that moment, I let my kids in, like truly let my kids in and everything has changed since that moment. Like literally I've watched them reveal themselves or like over and over again, being like, something is, you know, not right. I'm sad and I can't explain it. I've got this going on it as we've sort of, there's this, there's this mentality around motherhood that we're like statues and we're all of these things. And we're and supposed to be stoic. Stoic. Yeah. And it's, it's so <laughs> archaic, but there was um, a quote I came across recently that motherhood isn't defined on time spent, but the relationship built. And I needed that in a time that I was like having to work two jobs and I was emotionally so spent, but like when I was with them, it was so good. And now I look back on that time and I'm like, it had nothing to do with how much I was at home, especially after being a stay-at-home mom for 10 years, suddenly not having that access to them all the time or going through divorce and sharing custody and, and recognizing how much that emotional vulnerability and that relationship building was not on me serving them, but on us really connecting on a new level, especially as they begin to understand and regulate their own emotions. Now I have a freaking toddler. So it's like watching oh her gosh. go through it. Like we, it's funny the one day she was like upset and I pouted. Cause I was like, Oh, you're sad. And then she saw me sad. And then she lost it. I was like, Oh, you already have like this empathy part of you that understands that like, we have this shared humanity. And, and I love that. I want that. I, I grew up with a mother who was, um, tried to guard so much of it, but was also so open and vulnerable of like mental health and like chronic illness. And that shaped who I am. That makes me who I am today. And I, that pillar three, when you said that, I'm like, please, yes. Like allow yourself those feelings, allow that vulnerability, even within the spaces of your home, like these safe spaces that you do build for yourself and others. And that radical self-awareness I mean, it's hard it, 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 when we talk about, you know, when I was mentioning the social media and you were saying during a dark time, it was really hard for you to watch people who were like on really, like really doing well. I have had sort of like that. And then I've had the other side of it where I'm actually doing great and I'm following accounts that are almost like, um, I don't even know how to explain it. There was one that she just touches on a lot of points of like difficulties in motherhood. And I wouldn't even be struggling with these things and what her work is so valid. Like, I just want to give that, I'm not, obviously not saying her name, but like her work is so valid in what she's doing and like showing other people that they're not alone. However, it was causing me to create scenarios that weren't there. It was causing mm. me to suddenly mm. find negativity in my surroundings as if motherhood was eating me whole when it wasn't, I was actually doing really okay. That took a huge moment of self-awareness to be like, there's something in consuming this content that's changing who I am. And I don't like it. And I have to sort of like disengage. And that was like such a, it was such a proud moment for me because I'm such a people pleaser and I yeah. want to like support everybody, but I'm also like, I, I, I clearly see and need this boundary on a certain type of content, whether it be 
toxic positivity or whether it be, you know, um, pieces of people's lives or like they're sharing in vulnerability, that's like hitting into a spot that's creating something that I don't want to, I don't want to see in myself. And, and it's such a, it's such an amazing thing when you start to, as my therapist told me years ago, pay attention to your own thoughts and yes. recognize them. We're so, we're in such a busy life and such a busy world and our thoughts come and go like they're nothing. We're in a podcast. So thankfully we have a record button going where we're talking about <laughs> our thoughts. But typically you would just go throughout your day and you would yeah. note the hard parts. You'd note the high points, but it's all the stuff in the middle, like all the things that are really um, sustaining you that I find that in the awareness of those things have built up a lot of resiliency for myself. Oh. I think that what your work is doing and obviously off a lot of lived experience, but acknowledging that acknowledgement that it's not just like the big stuff. It's like the little buildup of stuff too, that when it comes to sucky moments in life, whether they're high points, whether they're low points, whether it's just the buildup of everything in between, I think your book is going to do some amazing things for a lot of people. I know it's been years in the making for you. So this is so incredible that now you, it's going to be on the shelves on January 31st. What a moment. Yes, I mean, where they can find it and find you and search getting ready to be resilient for what life has coming for us. Right. And, and to have fun in that resiliency, you know, I think that's the big takeaway that I want people to have from this book, that it is chaotic, it's messy, yet can we also evoke a little sense of play? in this and, and yeah. be able to like, even laugh at ourselves. Yes. If there's milk spilled on the floor, if you're like, all right, well, yes. here come to my, you know, shit show today. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Here's where we're at. Yes. Right. And to not take it so personally for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I've, I love this conversation so much. We have such great like banter. I, mm-hmm. I, I totally want to bring you on the yeah. brave table, Sarah. Me so too. I'm asking you in front of your audience. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> okay. Right. Great, great. Cause we, we, we do all things, you know, brave, brave conversations. And yeah, the book is, the book is out on January 31st. So when you actually order, uh, so you come to that sucked, that sucked now what.com you actually, there's a really special gift for your audience. You'll also oh. get a 44 page color handbook, um, that goes specifically with the material inside of the book. And honestly, it's just, we all love these like workbooks and guidebooks. And it's just great. Cause it's, it's a little journal that I put together. Yeah. It's everything that I've wanted to accompany my self healing. And I know that, you know, even within our community, people has have loved it and they've loved iterations of this, but specifically around going deeper and wherever mm-hmm. you are at. So you get that completely for free and you also get my five day five forward healing practice. So we start with visualizations, meditations, and they're 10 minute audios, but they're great because it also helps reinforce everything that you're learning in the book. So yes, I'm giving a bunch of things away, but it's only because I believe in this so, so much. We've partnered up with at least 20 different schools, teachers, because we also want Um, We want young people to have a a different sense of how to build resiliency in their Mm -hmm. own lives Mm -hmm. and organizations that of, you know, domestic violence, as well as um, 
folks who grew up without parents, because that's a big mm. part of yeah. you know my story. So we're so I'm so excited for for everyone to to read this. I mean, this was inspired out of motherhood, so we're yeah. we're at the right place. <laughs> it's incredible. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for every our banter today. It's been really meaningful for a Monday. Hopefully, everyone listening is really taking so I've taken so many notes. I hope you have as well. And uh, I'm going to have everything in the show notes for you as well, where you can follow Dr. Nita and where you can grab the book, all of that great stuff. And uh, we will see you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.